Let me pray. Father God, um, we are so thankful uh, for you, for you making yourself known through your word. And Father, as we um, look at this tremendous passage today um, in John's Gospel, we pray that you would uh, really speak to us through it. Um, uh, yeah, that we would come uh, to be changed at the deepest level. Um, soften our hearts by your spirit and speak to us today through your word uh, as it's read and as it's preached. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. The Bible reading today is from John chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Uh, thanks, Corin. Thanks so much, Trinity Church Victor Harbour, for welcoming me along. It'd be great to keep those Bibles open. Uh, as we get into it, how about we pray? Father God, thank you that you are a God who speaks to us today. As we look at your words and as I preach, help us to hear your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we all know the saying... If something sounds too good to be true, it probably is. It usually is. If something sounds too good to be true, it probably is. I mean, we're coming up to election season. Uh, chances are your radars are pretty sharp around this time of the year. Or maybe that's just me. Um, for example, a couple of weeks ago for me, I got an email saying, Congratulations, Tim.blag. You have won a brand new Lexus. Now... I mean, that, that's pretty exciting, but I, was, I thought it sounds a little bit too good to be true. Now, if I'd had the courage, if I'd had the time, I'd love to be a little bit more like one of my favourite comedians, a guy named James Veach, uh, who regularly replies to spam emails. For example, once James received an email that read like this. Hello, James Veach. I have an interesting business proposal I want to share with you. Solomon. 
James was intrigued. He sent an email back asking what it was, to which Solomon replied, Dear James Veach, we shall be shipping gold to you. You will earn 10% of any gold you distribute. Now, just, just to get us there, talking in dollars and cents, uh, at the moment, gold is worth somewhere around $1,800 per ounce, which is about $58,000 per kilo. 10% of anything you move sounds pretty good to me. Well, it sounded a little bit too good to be true to James Veach. So there's a fair bit of back and forthing. Uh, apparently, Solomon said that he needed money to be able to send the gold over. You know, who knew? Uh, so James sent back another few emails and eventually convinced him that because the government was probably monitoring their business emails, they should use a code. So here's the final product which Solomon sent back. The business is on. I'm trying to raise the balance for the gummy bear so that he can submit all the needed fizzy cola jelly bean, bottle jelly beans to the cream egg for the peanut M&M's process to start. Send 1,500 pounds via a giant gummy lizard. Now, some of those stood for lawyers, banks, and other various things. If something sounds too good to be true, it probably is. It usually is. Which is how Jesus' disciples must have felt on that first Easter Sunday when Mary burst through the door and said, I have seen Jesus, he is alive. In that passage which Corin just read for us, we see that Jesus offers a too-good-to-be-true-sounding peace, an extraordinary peace which he offers through his resurrection. He says, peace be with you, three times in this passage which we just read. I don't know if you noticed that. See, Jesus' resurrection promised his disciples an extraordinary peace for their mission. Jesus' resurrection gave Thomas extraordinary peace to worship Jesus. And Jesus' resurrection gives us extraordinary peace to believe that he is God's chosen king. Uh, So point one on your outlines, if you're following along, if you're the note-taking type, Jesus' resurrection gives his disciples an extraordinary peace to be sent into the world. Please look with me at verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Now these disciples didn't look very courageous, did they? They hardly looked like people who believed that Jesus was God's all-conquering king. They were a far cry from the stoic promises that Peter just made a few days earlier, saying, even if everyone else falls away, I will never leave you, Jesus. I'm ready to die for you. They were hiding behind closed doors, praying that the Jewish leaders who had crucified Jesus wouldn't find them. And you can, you can imagine them being a tad skittish when a bird would fly, fly past or when they'd hear voices coming past the doors. So imagine how high they must have jumped when Jesus just appeared amongst them. Jesus said to his disciples, peace be with you. Now these words, peace be with you, are more than just a greeting. It's not the first century Palestinian equivalent of g'day. It's peace be with you. Peace. A restored relationship with God. A relationship with the God whom each and every one of us has committed treason against, cosmic rebellion. We've given God the finger and said, you know what? We don't think you deserve to be God. So how on earth can Jesus say, peace be with you? 
That sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? But John has already given us the answer. We can have peace with God because Jesus is the one who says it. We can have peace with God because Jesus is the one who died. He died to take punishment for all our sins, for our rebellion against God. Well, let's unpack this a bit, though. Uh, let's, let's think about how can Jesus say, peace be with you. Um, let's say Steve got to a bit of mischief while he was on leave. Uh, let's say that he was driving 120 in a 25 zone. Oh, Steve. Uh, he was done. He was busted. But then let's say, Jack, the, the good guy that he is, he takes the fall. He convinces the judge it was actually me who did it, not Steve, and he goes to prison. When would Steve know for certain that his punishment had been paid? Well, it wouldn't be when Jack was just going to prison. That's just the start of the sentence. It would only be when Jack was walking around free, wouldn't it? Jack walking around free would be evidence that the punishment had been fully paid. And it's the same for our sin. On the cross on Good Friday, Jesus said, it is finished. But it wasn't until he was resurrected that he could say to us, to his disciples, peace be with you. Jesus' resurrection means we can be certain that our sin is dealt with, that all the punishment for our sin is gone. How good is that? That's why Jesus shows off his scars in verse 20. That's why the disciples are overjoyed. So let me ask us, Trinity Church Victor Harbour, is that our joy? Is that your joy? Are you someone here today who has your sins paid for? Are you someone here today who has this extraordinary peace? Well, Jesus doesn't just leave it there, though, does he? There's a job to keep on doing. Jesus didn't just die and wasn't just raised to life for his first followers. No, in, earlier in John we read, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. God so loved the world, not just the terrific 12 and the gang. So Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, there in verse 21, I am sending you. Jesus' disciples have peace with God. They're co-workers bringing about this peace to the world. Jesus then goes on in verse 22. He breathes on them, promising the Holy Spirit who is to come. He reminds them of the power of the gospel that they wield in verse 23, the power to forgive sins. Now, Jesus is not saying that the disciples have a special power of absolution and, and penance, as the Catholic system would believe. No, the disciples carry the gospel, which brings forgiveness. The gospel which has the power to forgive. The gospel which says, peace be with you. What a charge to be given. So we all know how the story goes now, right? The disciples have heard it. They're all super fired up. Jesus is risen. Yes, great. They've been promised the Holy Spirit. They know the gospel. They get out. They burst through the doors. They run out into the world and start preaching the God. No, they don't. That's not what happens, is it? The disciples don't charge out on that first Easter Sunday. Let's keep going. Uh, point two on your outlines. Jesus' resurrection gives Thomas extraordinary peace to worship Jesus as he deserves. 
Look with me at verses 24 to 26. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Poor Thomas has been given the nickname Doubting Thomas. I mean, here's a painting of these verses kind of depicting it. Now, I don't know if any of us can relate to his doubts. I personally can. Peace with God? Freedom from sins? Resurrected Jesus? It sounds a little bit too good to be true. Jesus' disciples weren't typically known for their ability to play elaborate pranks, but maybe they'd just tried to start now. We don't know why Thomas wasn't in that locked room on Easter Sunday, but he was with them one week later, about some 1,990 years ago. His conditions for believing this good news about Jesus, well, he needed physical proof that Jesus was resurrected. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you're someone here who has all kinds of reasons for not believing in God. Maybe it's after hearing about Sri Lanka these last couple of weeks, thinking there's just too much suffering to believe that God's there. Maybe it's thinking that science has disproved God. Or maybe even thinking something like, I can't believe in a God who would let that happen to me. I don't want to downplay any suffering. If you're someone who's actively struggling with doubts like these, I'm so glad you're here. It's my first day, but I'm fairly confident Trinity Church Victor Harbour is a great place to come. It's a great community. Trinity Church Victor Harbour isn't here for people who have life completely sorted out. It's for people like Thomas and like me. people who have doubts and struggles. Now, if this is you, then what Jesus says next is definitely for you. Let's keep reading to see what happens. Let's look at the rest of verse 26 onwards. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Well, there it is again from Jesus. Peace be with you. And now he turns to Thomas. It's worthwhile us noticing what Jesus doesn't say to Thomas. He doesn't say, silly Thomas, how could you ever doubt? He doesn't say, silly Thomas, you can't ask for evidence. That's ridiculous. You just need to have more faith. He doesn't say, Thomas, you have no place with my people if you doubt. He doesn't even say, Thomas, your question's stupid. Jesus says, here's the evidence you wanted. But what I think is more remarkable than Jesus offering Thomas the evidence is how Thomas responds. Thomas doesn't even want the evidence anymore. He doesn't need it. We don't read Thomas carefully examine Jesus' hands and side. Thomas didn't need proof. He confessed the truth about Jesus, my Lord and my God. 
When Thomas came face to face with the risen Lord Jesus, he didn't need any more proof. All Thomas's hang-ups about dead people don't walk around disappeared. Which I think means that if you are someone here who has doubts, who has questions, these aren't bad to have. But may I gently suggest that what you need might not be the answer to your specific questions. You might just need to get a better picture of who Jesus is. Get to meet him. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But first, I want us to look at what Thomas confessed in verse 28. My Lord and my God. Now, me personally, I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, I learned to read because we had memory verses at home and I had a children's picture book story Bible. But I realized when I was 13 that my confession wasn't Jesus is my Lord and my God. It was Jesus is a Lord and a God. Sure, he was a Lord and a God, but that didn't mean much for me. I'd inherited faith rather than a personal relationship. Maybe you can relate to that. What I needed to learn that it was that it wasn't enough just to acknowledge that Jesus is a Lord and a God. I can't just say my parents worship, so that's all good. I needed to bow to him as my Lord and my God. How about you? Maybe you're here as someone who's grown up in a Christian family like me. You've always gone to church. Your parents have always brought you on Sundays. Is Jesus your Lord and your God? Or maybe on the opposite end, you're, you're a parent here or a grandparent here. You've been bringing your children or grandchildren to church faithfully for many years. That's fantastic. Keep it up. What does it look like for you as parents or grandparents to encourage your child or grandchild to make Jesus their Lord and their God? Well, back to meeting with the real Jesus. It's pretty easy for us to look at Thomas and the disciples and to think, well, they had it so easy, didn't they? They got to see the resurrected Jesus face to face. Now, I've definitely felt that. I hear about Christians around the world having amazing visions of Jesus, having dreams. And it can be really easy to think, I must not be as good a Christian as they are. But that's not Jesus' attitude, is it? We read it just before in verse 29, and Evie helped us to look at this as too. Jesus told Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus says that everyone who doesn't see the resurrected Jesus face to face and yet still believes is blessed. He's talking about us. Isn't that awesome? Blessed. Favoured by God. Cherished by God. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And this brings us to point three on your outlines. Jesus' resurrection gives us an extraordinary peace to believe that he is God's chosen king and to eternally live as subjects of his kingdom. Please look with me at verses 30 and 31. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, 
the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now, John's gospel is pretty short, so we know it doesn't contain everything that a highly detailed biography of Jesus' life would contain. John never tried to write this full biography. No, he wrote down everything we would need to know to know that Jesus is our Lord, that Jesus is God's chosen King. John wrote this down so that we could believe in Jesus and that by believing we might have eternal life in his name. None of us in this room are eyewitnesses to the resurrected Jesus. Despite what some of our youth say, we're not that old. But we get to witness him through John's eyes in this gospel. We get to see where Jesus walked. We get to see the conversations Jesus had. We get to see Jesus heal people. We get to see everything that we could ever need to trust Jesus as Lord and as our God. So how do you feel when you hear that? For a book that's only yay thick, it could quite possibly sound too good to be true. But a book doesn't really need to be long to tell us everything we need to know, does it? Uh, Let's say, for argument's sake, uh, a fire gets started in here. Turns out that having two lab coats in a room is actually a dangerous combination. Uh, A fire starts. At that exact moment, what would you like for your emergency exit instructions? Would you like a detailed thesis explaining the history of the emergency exit? Uh, in about uh, 10,000 words or less? Or would you like a dot-point summary on one page? When we're at war with God, when we've committed cosmic treason, we need to know the extraordinary peacemaking solution. We need to know Jesus as Messiah. We need to know Jesus as our personal Lord. We need to know Jesus as our King which means that we need to be subjects of our king, members of his kingdom. And the very least that subjects of the king can do is tell others, hey, this guy's king. Well, what does that mean for us today? First, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm so glad you're here. It's good to look for evidence, to ask questions. Don't stop doing that. Our beliefs are useless if Jesus wasn't raised physically from the dead. And the best way to explore Christianity, I'm convinced, is to read John's gospel for yourself. Read it on your own. Read it with someone else. John certainly thought that everything he wrote down was enough for us to believe. By reading John's gospel, we come face to face with Jesus. So as Steve said before, you know, maybe grab that little tear-off slip and fill it in and say, I'd like to read the Bible with someone. I'd like to read John with someone. Uh, apparently last week Jeff Lynn made the offer that you can take a Bible home if you don't have one. Sure, do it. <laughs> uh, until Steve tells me not to say that. Um, please, read John's Gospel for yourself. Get to meet Jesus face to face. Do it with another person. Maybe it's the person who's invited you along or maybe it's someone back at home if you're here on holidays. Secondly, though, for those who are Christians here at Trinity Church, Victor Harbour, thank you so much for having me here today with you. It's been really nice to come to see and to talk to some of you, to hear how God's been faithfully at work here, whether you've been here in Victor Harbour for 77 years or whether you've been here for 12 months or for about a week. It's been great to visit you. When it comes to sharing your faith, here's a challenge for term two. 
Why not invite someone to read John's gospel with you? It could be a mum from mum's group. It could be a colleague. It could be a classmate. It could be a neighbour. It could be your golf buddies. Commit to reading it together. John's gospel has been written to help us believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing to bring us life in his name. That news is too good to keep to ourselves. That's a great reason to open it up with someone who doesn't know Jesus yet. Well, Jesus' resurrection is an offer of extraordinary peace. An offer of extraordinary peace because he has successfully taken away all our sin and dealt with it. He brings an extraordinary peace between us and God. An extraordinary peace that is so good because it is true. Trinity Church, Victor Harbour, peace be with you. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for raising Jesus to life from the dead. Thank you that he has achieved peace between us and you forever by taking away our sins. Thank you that we have the Gospel of John recorded, that we may believe that Jesus is God and that by believing we may have life in his name. Thank you for this good news of peace. In Jesus' name, amen.